This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Oscar Edmondson and I'm joined today by Katie Balls and James Heal. So Simon Clark took to the Telegraph yesterday to call for Rishi Sunak to be ousted as leader of the Conservative Party, warning colleagues to act now or face an electoral massacre. Katie, is this the beginning of the end for Rishi Sunak? All premierships come to an end eventually. And I think probably the biggest threat still for Rishi Sunak is that his premiership will end when voters go to the polls. And if you go by any opinion polling right now, it's looking incredibly difficult for the Tories to turn things around and manage even a narrow victory. Is it a viable prospect that Simon Clark and other rebels could make it so Rishi Sunak does not get to that point and they stop him before he goes to polling day and bring someone else in? In the Telegraph piece that Simon Clark has written, he does accept that some may think it's maybe a bit much to get rid of another Tory leader before the next election. He accepts that to some on the outside, he realises, you know, how it might look. But he makes the case that despite this, it is the party's best bet. It says that Rishi Sunak has become a liability. Ultimately, the situation is only going to get worse and argues that you need a leader of a different pitch, so to speak, one more focused on boats and it's someone who can steady the ship. He doesn't get into who that leader might be. There's quite curious poll that goes in the Telegraph too, which is uh, pitching this idea of, you know, versus Keir Starmer, could a Tory leader do better? But instead of actually um, doing polling, and perhaps they will do this on a later date, because this is a mysterious conservative donor group that no one, I think including Number 10, or even some of the rebels know exactly who is funding. They don't go into what, how would Kemi Bajanok appear, how would Suella Braverman appear against Keir Starmer. Instead, they say, hypothetically, if you had a Tory leader who could stop the boats who could clear NHS waiting lists, who could cut taxes and perhaps do it with a grin and a little bit of charm thrown in, doesn't include that little bit. Would you like them? And it turns out that would be quite popular. I think the problem is, you know, just speaking to Conservative MPs looking at that poll, they think, well, clearly that is just a very strange way of looking at it. There's, you know, that is not a viable thing. And I think it's fair to say that, well, two things. First off, I think if, if we did discuss last week how there was a plot to oust Rishi Sunak. And we had Paul Goodman on this podcast, we were talking about a small plot, but one that, you know, the question was, would they have a go and fail? I think that has come to fruition, which is that they have had a go. Of course, you can judge things in a longer time frame. And, um, you know, it has failed in its first 12 hours, who knows, in three months' time. But I think when we were thinking who might be the figures in that, Simon Clark would have been one of the first names that came up. Known Rishi Sunak critic has really gone for him. And I think also fairly unsurprisingly, the party has come out very quickly against it. And it's not just Rishi Sunak allies. You've had Priti Patel last night very quickly come out and say, you know, effectively say this is not what we should be doing. You've had various members of the Trust Administration, former aides, coming out and tweeting that it was madness. And I think if you just look at the various messages we have received, I'm just trying to see if there's any... The problem is most of the messages I have received on this involve many swear words. (laughs) And I don't want to... And particularly 
some words which are seen as the ultimate worst swear word. So I don't want to upset anyone's ears. But I think, you know, for example, someone's, someone's mentioning the most pathetic push. Others have said, you know, you know, really, where do you start? And again, we then get back to expletives. I'm yet to find an elected politician who is coming out in support of Simon Clark and on the WhatsApp groups, and James can say more on this, you know, there's just been this huge outpouring of, um, you know, why are you doing this, Simon Clark? And clearly on WhatsApp groups, some of the, you know, in an all MP WhatsApp group, it's not always a complete tell in the sense they know everyone is seeing the messages. But I think it's safe to say that Simon Clark looks very isolated. I suppose the question we'll come to in this podcast is, are there factors that will change that in the coming months? Yep, so for last night, we reported on what was going on in the Tory WhatsApp group. Uh, people like Jackie Doyle-Price, long-time personal friend, supporter of Liz Truss. Was uh, a recent name on her resignation honours list. Exactly, yeah. Dame Jackie Doyle-Price, I should have said, writing on the group that the one thing the public expects of Conservative government more than anything else is behaving like grown-ups. Others then, Steve Brine, Bob Seeley, Elliot Colburn, Andrew Percy, uh, were all in saying this on the group now, which is the sort of weird public-private space, which is that everyone's going to leak it. But equally, you know, on those chat group chats, there certainly was a sense of different parts of the party, uh, not all the natural Sunak obvious allies, uh, coming in behind the prime minister on that. And I suppose the real thing here is momentum. And after we had the vote last week, there was a sense of, well, what now? We've had 11 Conservative PS come out and vote against a flagship piece of legislation at third reading. What happens now? Well, now we know two of those 11 have publicly called for a to go, Andrea Jenkins and now Simon Clark. Um, but what happens next? And I think that I was chatting to a member of the Whip's office um, under Boris Johnson, and they were saying that, you know, what happened with the letters was it starts off slowly and can then increase. The key differences between now and, say, some of the previous times the Conservatives have changed leaders is that there isn't an obvious candidate. So in 2019, you had a number of Brexiteers um, who were lining up to take up the sort of Brexit mantle. Uh, you had Boris Johnson waiting in the wings there. Then in 2022, after the Trust government uh, fell apart. One of the reasons why I think it fell apart a bit quicker was because Rishi Sunak was the obvious candidate there to take over, and that's why the party fell in behind him within a week. This time, I, I don't see anyone like that, and uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I suspect this is unlikely to succeed on the timescale set by the rebels. Yeah, it's obviously a sign of the times that we have covered and worked through various coups in the past, but I, I have to say right now, it doesn't feel like the move against Theresa May it doesn't feel like the move against Boris Johnson and it doesn't feel like the one against Liz Truss because they're all a little bit different. And with the Liz Truss move, for example, I think that there was still a sense in the party that they didn't actually want to oust another leader, at least that was the majority sense. Obviously, you can take some of uh, the behaviour of some figures aside on that. Effectively, the mini-budget changed lots of people's mind because it made such an, an emergency situation in terms of what you do and there was complications on regaining market credit market credibility and so forth with Boris Johnson it was a drip 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 but it was also one where I think uh, there was still the sense that you could just change one thing in terms of your scandalous leader and things would move this is now a party that is so worn down that I don't think most MPs look at this and think oh what we've learned from the past few years is you just change leader and everything's okay and you get back to the ultimate problem for the Tory party which is just there's complete disagreement on why they're in the hole they're currently in. And that means that every time you look at these polls, what I think is really difficult, and I think this is difficult for Rishi Sunak too, is just most will say, so what we're hearing again is, does the Tory party have a death wish? 
And it just depends how you define that death wish, depending on which Tory MP you are. Because I would say most MPs think the sign that you have a death wish is the antics of the 11 Tory MPs last week that voted down a bill at third reading and stood in a lobby with Jeremy Corbyn. They would say, you were making this into a circus, a soap drama. And as a result, it's not that surprising that after a week of mayhem on this and all these MPs saying their own government's policy doesn't go far enough, you then drop in the polls um, and Labour has a 27-point lead. But the rebels would say, no, 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 it's not actually to do with us. No one really pays attention to the Westminster bubble, as we all know. And really, people have been looking at the bill in great detail. And they can just tell we're soft on this. And the problem is Rishi Sunak, he is the liability. And therefore, the bad polling just confirms what we think. The two sides are never going to really reconcile what they're reading from the polls. And therefore, the question is simply, do you have more thinking it's the first or do you have more thinking it's the latter? For Rishi Sunak right now, it's much more thinking it as the first, which is the infighting. But even if that means that he is, you know, pretty safe, at least looking at things today, it's not going to make that small group quiet. And instead, they plan to keep pushing this. And they think time will tell because there'll just be the sense of decay. Rishi Sunak won't be able to move the agenda on. The polls will stay bad. You'll have these two by-elections next month. And then you'll get to local elections. So I think it's more a sense of mutually assured destruction right now from where I'm sitting than this move of Rishi Sunak is about to go. Yeah, I think a great visual demonstration of those different factions within the Tory party provided to tonight when the Conservative Parliamentary Party has a photograph, a family photograph, not five families, one big happy family to mark the centenary of the 1922. And I've already spoken to several who's going, well, I'm not going tonight because he or she might be there and I don't want to be with you know, him or her. And I think that's the key point is that there's different factions. And so, you know, some MPs last night weren't, you know, not even particularly loyal to Rishi Sunak, but don't really like Simon Clark because of his association with the trust government. And this is the whole point that Katie says is that there's a lack of consensus about where the problems start. And you can always go back and say, well, it all began when we brought down Boris or or maybe it was the trust mini budget or, you know, and that, that, that failure to have a common reason, as Katie says, means that there's not a kind of groundswell of opinion currently within the party. Uh, and that's why I suspect the next key developments will be either those by-elections next month, although some people think that's priced in, uh, or, or, or anything about the budget. And of course, as Katie says there, I mean, a lot of what Simon Clark was writing in his article is what Rishi Sunak's doing. Now, maybe not as much as they'd like, you know, trying to stop the boats and also t- cutting taxes. But I think it's a question of extent rather than, you know, Sunak taking the party in a completely different direction to where the instincts a lot of them are. But I mean, going back to that question of, of what could mobilise a sort of mainstream bid against Rishi Sunak, do you think if someone like someone who polls maybe more favourably in the Conservative Party, someone like Akemi Badenoch came out against him, that would be mortal for his premiership? I still think it would be definite. The way this would become serious is if someone like Kemi Badenoch, and I think it really would have to be her. I don't think Suella Braverman would have the hold within the party. If Kemi Badenoch were to quit and say, I've had enough of this government, and I'm the one who can lead us to greatness, I think that would take you to a point where MPs on the right might think about and MPs in the middle, particularly let 2017 intake fairly small, quite loyal to her. Um, but I don't think we've had much indication that's where she is. And if I were a wannabe Tory leader looking at the next, uh, you know, eight months, I think there is an argument that most people uh, looking at this think it'd be better to come in after a defeat and lead the recovery as leader of the opposition, even though opposition is hard work, mm-hmm. than come in and potentially then be part of the figures blamed for what is a bad defeat. Because you'll still have a school of MPs, even if it was successful, saying... 
but you led to more division. Do you know? And it's quite hard to change lots of these material factors. But I think that's what you need. You need you need an alternative candidate. And right now there just isn't one. Great. Well, thank you, Katie. Thank you, James. And thank you very much for listening.